Thank you for the incredible hope that we have. Thank you that you are always there with us, always resourceful. And God, we today, no matter what our circumstances are, your salvation quietly guides us. Thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, amen. You can be seated. Fast forward several hundred years, and Jesus has kind of the same message. Jesus is on the hillside, a couple thousand people uh, on this hill. He might have his back to the Sea of Galilee, and they're watching the sparkling diamonds coming off of the water. And Jesus begins to tell them, do not worry. Say that with me. Say, do not worry. I'm worried, okay? Let's say that one more time. Do not worry. One more time. Do not worry. Now, there were a lot of reasons for them to be worried. First of all, there were Romans uh, in every square inch of their territory. Second of all, it was not a great crop season. Food and water were not plentiful. But thirdly, Jesus had just dropped a bomb. He had just told them that unless their righteousness surpassed that of the scribes and Pharisees, they would not enter the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus said, by the way, do not worry. Now, I don't know about your worry level, but everybody worries about something probably. Um, Louis Giglio is a pastor in uh, Atlanta, Passion City Church, and Louis Giglio said, I had a father who didn't worry about anything. I had a mother who made coffee nervous. Okay? So you can imagine growing up in that kind of a home, right? Uh, Every one of us in this room, uh, we fall somewhere on the 1 to 10 scale. Some of you in the room, you're not worriers. You're one twos. You're one twos, two and a halves. Probably a lot of you in this room, you're fours, fives, six and a halves, okay? And there's some of you in this room that you worry quite a bit. In fact, when there's nothing to worry about, you create something to worry about, all right? You're more like a seven, eight, or a nine, okay? So let's just take the test. How many in the room are one and two worriers? You're not really big worriers. You're one and two, okay? How many of you are four, five, sixes, all right? How about seven, eights, and nines, all right. In fact, you're worried right now that this service is going to take too long, aren't you? So, so, so we all fall different places on the, on the worry scale. Jesus says, do not worry. And what he does for us today is he gives us an action step. And I love this. So you have to give me about 15 minutes. But he has an action step for you that will guarantee to reduce your anxiety. So there's an action step by Jesus of Nazareth that will change your life forever. All right, so what is worry? Well, worry is always about tomorrow. That's what worry is. Worry is always about tomorrow. Worry is always about the future. Worry is always about later. Worry's not right now. You're not worried right now. You're worried about tomorrow. You're worried about the next day. You're worried about things that are going on next year, next next 12 years, next 22 years. But worry is always about later. Worry is always about tomorrow. Worry is always about the future. So why do I worry? Well, I worry about the future. Now, Jesus gives us some great words in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Let's start with these words. This is what Jesus says. Jesus said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Now, when Jesus said this, I think the crowd just went, hear the rain? 
we got plenty of time. i got a two-hour sermon. Just sit back and relax. I'm going to say everything I want to say. It will serve you lunch. Don't worry. All right, just relax. We'll call Pizza Hut or whatever. All right. Jesus said, we'll do better than Pete. Well, never mind. Uh, do, not, do not worry. Do not worry about your life. Well, if you don't worry about your life, what are you going to worry about? There's some irony in this story. Do not worry. we got Romans everywhere. We're concerned about food, and we're not really sure how in the world our righteousness can surpass that of the scribes and Pharisees. Jesus, we're terribly worried. Jesus says, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about your body or what you will wear. Now, you've got to keep in mind, those were their concerns. They may not be our concerns, but those are their concerns. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food? Now, that's a great question. Is not life more than... In other words, Jesus has a higher principle here. And the body, isn't the body and your life worth more than than clothes? Verse 26, Jesus, look at the birds of the air. Now, I don't know this, but I wonder at that moment, they're outside on the hillside. I wonder at that moment if a flock of birds just, just didn't fly right over. I mean, we're inside right now. It's raining. There are no birds flying right now. We can't see them. But I wonder if that happened to Jesus. And Jesus said, look, look, look. He said, look, look. Look at the birds of the air. They they don't sow. They're not farmers. They're not worrying about storing up grain. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't store away in barns. But yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. And, And are you not more valuable than that flock of birds that just went over us that are flying in perfect V formation? Are, are you not much more valuable than they? In verse 27, he says, Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? What's the answer to that? No. In fact, we know just the opposite. The more we worry, what? The less we're going to live, right? We know the more we worry, it's going to take life out of you. The more anxiety and stress you have, it cuts minutes and hours and days off your life. We all know that. We've got enough research today that tells us stress just diminishes our life. So he says, can any of you, by worrying at a single hour of your life? The answer to that question is no. Look at the next verse, verse 28. So why do you worry about clothes? Now, I just want to push pause for just a second, because when we read this, we may not be able to identify with it. Because I doubt that any of you today are really worried about food. You might be thinking about lunch, your next meal, but you've got the money, or you've got the cash, or you've got the credit card, or you've got grandma close. None of us in this room are going to starve today, probably, okay? But in that culture, you see, the whole reason that God had one of the commandments to honor the Sabbath, God said, if you honor me, if you work six days, I'll feed you for seven. That was radical. Nobody in that culture got to eat for seven days who didn't work seven days. Everybody in that culture had to work every single day. Nobody retired. There was no such thing as retirement. The 65-year-old men and and, and older, they might not be working 12 hours in the field. They're working four hours in the field. There was no such... Everybody contributed. And in our culture today, we, we kind of don't get this. We can work six days and eat seven. We can work five days and eat seven. We can retire at a certain age and never have to have income again, and we can eat the rest of our lives. We don't get this. 
They're just trying to exist, and they're worried about food, and they're worried about clean water, and they're worried about clothes. And again, maybe some, but very few in this room are really concerned about worried that you're not going to be able to go buy something at your next birthday or Christmas time. You're going to be able to pull out a credit card or cash or whatever, and you're going to be able to buy some clothes. So this isn't really what we worry about. That's why we had you text at the beginning of the service what you were. Hans, do you have that list for me? Hans was going to put all that together for me. Where is Hans? There he is. Would you give Hans a round of applause? Thank you, Hans. Thank you. By the way, Hans plays 12 musical instruments. I, I can't even name 12 instruments. Hans, he's an incredible musician. So anyway, he put this together, and this is what you text in at the early part of the service. What are your worries? Because I don't think you worry about this. I think what I'm getting ready to read, you worry about. So let me read these uh, cold. What are your worries? My family. Of course. Of course we worry about our family. Uh, What career I should have. It's a great one. I worry about providing for my future family. You bet. I worry about finances. I worry about money. Of course. I worry about my children. I worry about my grandchildren. I worry about my family's salvation. Someone else said, I worry about my husband's happiness. The safety and decisions for my children. Someone said, I worry about loneliness. I worry about paying bills. I worry about being a good, hus- a good enough husband and a good enough father. I worry about my friend. She's important and she's struggling. I worry about rejection and abandonment. I worry about being a single mom. I worry about who my kids will marry. I worry about being a godly husband. I worry about being a light for Christ. I worry about the decline of our culture and our godly values. I worry about not being good enough. I worry about my kids. Somebody said I worry about Hans. That's hilarious. That's the last one. All right. That's, that's probably a joke, I think. All right. I don't, I don't know. I'm worried about that now. Anyway, your worries are probably not food and water and clothes. We live in a culture that we got lots of things to worry about, and we can worry, worry, worry. We've got a lot to be worried about. But here's what Jesus says in verse 29. Jesus said, Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Verse 30. So if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Verse 31, he says this. So he says, so do not worry. Don't worry saying, my parents are aging. Don't worry saying, my marriage is a mess. I'm not saying don't be concerned. Don't don't worry about what career should I have. Don't, Don't worry about, I'm not saying don't be discerning. He said, don't worry about what we shall eat or what we shall drink or what we shall wear. See, the problem always comes down to an issue of trust. That's really what worry is about. The reason that you and I worry, see, we have Jehovah God. We have Yahweh. We have a Savior named Jesus. The reason that you and I worry, it always comes back to an issue of trust. 
well, maybe it won't work. Maybe all that faith stuff is just church stuff. Maybe it'll work for the Smiths, but we're the Browns, or we're the Joneses, or we're the... And maybe, it just, maybe it'll work for all of them, but just maybe, maybe he's willing, but maybe he's not able. Maybe he's given up, he's helped enough people, but, but God has, you know, uh, unlimited resources. No, he has limited resources, so maybe he's not going to help me. And so what, what do we do with this? And so I worry, next slide, that God won't take care of me t- tomorrow. And so I bring it in to, to today. That's what worry is. I worry that God really won't take care of me tomorrow, and so I bring it in to today. Notice how worry is always future tense in verse 31. What, what shall we eat? What shall we wear? What shall we drink? It's always future tense. But here's part of the answer in verse 32. He says, for the pagans run after all these things. Now, when Jesus says the word pagans, He's not putting down other people. Don't, don't think that. What he's saying is, is that everybody else doesn't have Yahweh. Everybody else doesn't have Jehovah. Everybody who doesn't have this God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, everybody who doesn't have this God, they run after all these things. They run after, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are we going to live? How are we going to exist? Oh my gosh, I don't know about tomorrow. I'm good for today, but I may not be good for tomorrow. I got enough potatoes for today, but I may not have enough potatoes for tomorrow. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Drama. <laughs> right? Drama. The, the people who don't have Jehovah, the people who don't have Yahweh, they run after all these things. And here's the secret. Yet your heavenly Father, He knows. He knows what you need. He knows about the divorce. He knows about the health concerns. He knows about the aging parents. He, he, knows, about, he knows about the concerns that you have at work. He, he knows about all the relationship issues. So your heavenly Father, the answer is, He knows. He knows. It's not like he doesn't know. But the pagans are running. They're running, they're running, they're running because they have a God who doesn't know. You have a God who knows and who cares and who's willing and who's able to change everything in your life. He knows. Well, I think that helps. The one and twos. I think that helps a little bit with the threes, fours, fives, and sixes, but I don't think that still helps enough with the seven, eights, and nines. I think the seven, eights, and nines in this room are still struggling. This is great, Kurt. Good stuff. Good scriptures. All right, good, but I'm still not convinced that I'm going to reduce my, my worry quotient. How, how do I do Jesus gives you an action step. He gives you an action step, and if you follow this action step, this action step will actually reduce your worry level. I love this. Verse 33 says this. Here's the action step. Seek first the kingdom of God. You lean in to, to God. You seek first his kingdom. That's an action step. That's something you have to actually physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually do. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you as well. So how do you and I get ahead of worry? We get ahead of worry by this. I get ahead of worry by doing what I can do today. 
What can I do today to seek first the kingdom of God? What can I do today at work, at school, in my neighborhood? What can I do today? You see, if you get ahead of worry, you stay ahead of worry. If worry gets ahead of you, you never catch up. And the only way to get ahead of worry is to stay ahead of worry. And the only way to stay ahead of worry is that you have greater faith. And the way for greater faith is that you participate in the kingdom of God. You seek first the kingdom of God. Let me give you a couple of different stories about this. So this past week, we were at dinner. It was a birthday party for a good friend of mine in our church. And we were kind of in a small private room at a restaurant. The door was closed. And there were several of us in the room. And, and, and toward the end of the, of the birthday dinner, I suggested that we make him the special person. Danita has done that since the kids were about this tall. And we have a little plate. And the plate says special person. When it's your birthday, you get the special person. Uh, plate, and everybody goes around the room and tells why you're special. That's great. Everybody learns to speak words of affirmation into each other. And, and so we made him the special person. We didn't have a special plate, but we made him the special person. And everybody went around the room and began to tell why we thought he was special. Now, this is a guy who owns his own business, an incredible business. He's got a wife. He's got children. He is so busy, 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 and it's a very risky business. And if anybody could be worried, it would be this guy. This guy's not worried. This guy is constantly leaning into the kingdom of God. Every day, he is dialed in to how can I serve Jesus? And when it came time for me to talk about him, I said, you know what? It's so cool about you. You figured out life's not about you. You have figured out that life is not about you, and you live every day for the kingdom of God. And so he is seeking, he he couldn't be busier. He couldn't have more responsibility in his life, but he's not worried because he's ahead of worry. And if you stay ahead of worry, if you get ahead of worry, you will stay ahead of worry. And if you don't, if worry gets you and you don't stay ahead of worry, worry will dominate your mind, your will, and your emotions. And you know that's absolutely true because it's happened. So let let me summarize just real quickly. Let me summarize what we've said so far so I can go forward. Number one, worry is always about the future. It's about tomorrow. Number two, worry always boils down to trust. Number three, key concept is he knows. And number four, is he willing and is he able to help me, which really boils down to trust. All right? So Jesus is leaving the disciples. And in John chapter 14, verse 1, the disciples are freaking out. And they're going, wait a minute, where are you going? Wait a minute, we're not cool with this. Wait a minute, we're not okay with this. And Jesus says, it's for your good that I go away, because if I go away, the comforter, the counsel of the Holy Spirit is going to come, and your life's going to even be better. And then he dies. Jesus dies. And now worry mounts. Because not only is he not able, but he's not willing because he's dead. And so for three days, the, the stress level, the worry level, the worry quotient of these disciples just goes through the roof. And they run, they hide, they lock doors, they run for cover. Well, three days later, Jesus rises from the dead. And when Jesus rises from the dead, worry dissipates and faith increases. And all of a sudden, these disciples in this early church, they began to expand the kingdom of God. They began to do exactly what Jesus said. They began to seek first the kingdom of God. And when they started seeking first the kingdom of God every single day, 
They didn't worry. They, you know what? They didn't pray for safety. They prayed for boldness. We always pray for safety. Oh, please help us, bless us. Give. They prayed for boldness. And they were seeking the kingdom of God with all of their heart. And lives began to change. Well, maybe Jesus was crazy. You're not a Christian. You're not really into Jesus. Well, maybe Jesus was crazy. Well, 32 years later, a guy named the Apostle Paul says pretty much the exact same thing. 32 years almost exactly go by, and the Apostle Paul says to a church in Philippi, they were worried. Listen to what Jesus says to this church in Philippi. Paul, I'm sorry, what Paul says to this church. Paul says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, oh my gosh, every situation, in the divorce, in the bankruptcy, in the cancer, in the child just left home, the child just ran away, in the aging parents, my gosh, what are we going to do? But in the, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it's going to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, sometimes when we're up here teaching and we're like trying to get you to go all in, I almost feel like sometimes you think that's a little self-serving. I almost feel like sometimes you're looking at us with some doubt and some skepticism, like, well, they're trying to get me to go all in because they want something from me, they want something for me. It's the best thing for you. I didn't come up with this. I do want you to go all in. Because I want you to get ahead of worry. But not only will you get ahead of worry, but your life will have so much significance. Have you got a better plan with your life? You've got 80, 90 years and you're done. Have you got a better option than going all in for Jesus? If you do, tell me and I'll preach that plan next week. I don't think you've got a better plan. So it was a busy week with VBS, and that school bus was the highlight of that week. But the week before, it was really busy too. The week before, there were literally hundreds of people on our campus sawing, cutting, making ships, making pirate stuff, drawing, doing rooms, painting, putting cannons up ordering food. We had more Costco runs and more, you know, um, Sam's runs. Every goldfish in Florida, I think, was shipped to Harborside Christian Church. There are no more little goldfish, you know, around. I mean, but, but the week before, um, there was a lady here, and she caught me in the lobbies. I was walking through the lobby, and she'd missed the one Sunday when we talked about God's plan A for sexuality. And it was, she commented how she appreciated that, and it meant a lot to her, and she was wondering how we were going to answer that question. But in the course of this 10-minute speech conversation, she mentioned that her dad was in jail when she was a little girl. I let her finish the 10 minutes, and then I said, can we rewind to something you said about 10 minutes ago? You said your dad was in jail. If it's not too painful, I'd like to hear the story. She said, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting story. She said, you'd think it'd be a real, real tragedy, but in some ways it was a great experience because I learned about the power of the local church. And she said, I was in the first grade, my sister's in the third grade, 
And my dad was a lawyer. And by the way, she's a lawyer. She's real busy. Wife, mom, couple kids. She said, my dad was a lawyer and he made a really bad decision. And there was a month-long trial. And she said, the church sent us to camp for a whole month. The church sponsored us to go to a church camp for an entire month during the entire trial. And then she said, my dad got convicted, got indicted, went to jail, went to jail for a year. And she said, the local church pulled through. And she said, I don't have a bad local church experience. I have a great local church experience. She says, a little girl, the church paid our mortgage. The church paid our light bill. The church cut our grass. A small church, small town. The church got involved. And she said, it wasn't just for that year because our income went down to nothing for several years. She said, but the local church, the local church pulled through and food just kept every week bags and bags of groceries of food, not for one week, not for one month, months and months and months. The local church, all these different people were bringing in food. She said, there would be somebody who would bring in, she said, my mother would never let us have sugared cereal. So we knew it wasn't my mother that bought it because somebody would have five boxes of sugar frosted flakes and we loved sugar frosted flakes. We loved the sugar cereal. She said, the local church got it done. I don't know who those people are. But they were seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. They, they may have had worries in their life, but they got ahead of worry. And what Jesus is saying is get ahead of worry. Why? Because look at the very last verse. Jesus said this. He said, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Right? So he tells us, look at the birds of the air. If he takes care of the birds of the air, the birds that don't sow, they don't reap, he feeds them, will he not much more take care of you? It's like, it's like that song, his eye is on the sparrow. If God is watching over a sparrow, are you not much more valuable than that? 